Hey, everybody. Welcome back. First uh, MMA DFS podcast in quite a few weeks. I do apologize. I've been pretty busy with work. And then there was one really bad card that Mike and I just kind of agreed that, you know, just wasn't worth breaking down. But this card for a fight night card is absolutely loaded. A lot of good fights, a lot of recognizable names. Can't believe this is not a pay-per-view card. But Mike, this is one of the best cards that we've seen uh, for a fight night in quite some time. How are you and how excited are you for this card? I'm good. I'm pumped, man. Our, our last Vegas card here before they head back to Abu Dhabi for the uh, quote-unquote fight island that is not an island. Uh, so they're empty in the clip again. We saw this at the, the last uh, event over uh, in Abu Dhabi. They had fighters uh, you know, on standby, decided to just use them up. And uh, we've got 15 fights currently, hopefully at least you know 13 or so make it through weigh-ins. And uh, we've got a the first full field event in, in quite a while. Um, now, Tuesday night we did the uh, the NFL Two Minute Drill podcast. Check it out on SoundCloud or iTunes. Uh, and before we started recording that one, we were talking a little bit about how some things could shape up with this card. What changes have we already seen? Uh, so Tyson Nam uh, has a replacement uh, fighter in Jerome Rivera. Um, you know, that'll be the, the first fight of the night, so we'll get to that last. Probably a pretty quick breakdown. Should go similarly to the last time he faced a light replacement. Um, and then Mursad Bektic is fighting uh, a replacement here, Damon Jackson. Kind of interesting that they chose to, to use uh, somebody here to, to even salvage the fight with 14 that could have went forward. Uh, but... You know, Bektic said he was willing to fight anybody, I guess, and they kept him on the card. All right, so uh, give us a breakdown. What's the schedule looking like? I'm guessing playbooks out on Friday as usual. Or are you anticipating probably having it out on Saturday? I know with a lot of the the COVID-related uh, MMA fights, we've kind of held off on the playbook on Fridays just to kind of wait and see what happens with weigh-ins and, and, and cornermen testing positive and things like that. Yeah, I've been holding off on uh, getting the playbook completely ironed out until Friday afternoons just because I think most of the MMA content community has adopted that schedule. You just, you know, I can I can deal with one fight being lost and having done the work for nothing, but when you're talking about two, three, four fights, it just, you know, doesn't sit well having done the work for no reason. So, um, you know, uh, done the research, just don't, uh, don't have it on pen to paper yet. Um, on most of the the back end of the card. So that'll happen Friday afternoon once we know fights are very likely going forward. All right. Love it. Huge card. Uh, you want to start want to start just breaking down each fight, fight by fight, per use? Yeah, let's kick it off with uh, Covington-Woodley. Coving- Colby Covington versus Tyron Woodley. Covington priced at 9300 Tyron Woodley is a nice 6900 uh, A little bit of narrative here. Tyron Woodley has been training with uh, Jorge Masvidal. How much weight are you putting into his camp? He's lost two straight fights. Obviously, I don't really like Covington. I think he's kind of a tool. Um, <laughs> he's just very corny, and uh, he's yep. so annoying. I'm actually pulling for Woodley here, but he's, he's a massive underdog in this fight. Uh, but, I don't know, do we, do we put much weight into him training with um, Masvidal? Maybe slightly. You know, Covington's game is not one that, 
is very hard to anticipate or decipher that like you need to have a lot of inside info on you know the guy to get it done uh, Covington's whole game is about uh, pace and pressure and you know really trying to avoid taking too much damage too many chances um, and that all kind of went out the window in his title fight with Kamara Usman because Usman is maybe the better wrestler if not better technically is the stronger man neither guy really tried to wrestle it was a five-round striking fight um with Usman getting uh, in a little bit of a controversial knockout of Covington the fight was stopped Covington didn't want it to be stopped you know he said he didn't have a broken jaw lots of reports came out immediately that he had a broken jaw I you know it doesn't it wouldn't shock me that he's lying because like you said he's got that persona um you know, and as far as his persona goes, yeah, super annoying. Uh, <laughs> you kind of so have to set it aside when breaking <clears throat> down his fights because his pace, you know, he's had some record-setting fights. Um, his fight with Robbie Lawler, uh, he, I think he set the, the significant strikes record through five rounds against Robbie Lawler. Um, you know, here against Woodley, it's probably not going to be the case. You know, he is going to try to pressure Woodley, and we've seen two straight guys come in and do, do it to, to Tyron Woodley and Kamara Usman, who just, you know, bell to bell thrashed him, threw him around like a rag doll, beat him up against the cage. And then Gilbert Burns did a lot of the same. You know, the first round was competitive, um, but right now, you know, Tyron, Tyron Woodley is 0 for 10 uh, in the last 10 rounds that he's fought in, in the UFC. It's ironic. He he spent so much time as champ, you know, trying to just pick the right fights, not be a very active champion. You know, maybe dodging these guys, these these young hungry lions that were that were wrestlers that could give him a problem. And now he's got to fight them because you know the 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 draw is gone without the belt. So um, he's zero and two in his last two against the guys that he's he's kind of been avoiding, and now he's got to fight another one. And possibly, you know, uh, have one foot out the door if he loses uh, of the UFC. So, you know, uh, you expect the fight to go pretty similarly to his last two. He's going to back up to the fence and he's probably going to get grappled. He's probably going to get taken down. Um, I will say that Covington is not as... He's not as mean as the last two guys Woodley has fought in Usman and... uh, Gilbert Torino Burns, where, you know, both of those guys wanted to really kick Woodley's ass, <laughs> and they brought it. You know, Covington wants to win the fight. That, you know, all that, all that persona stuff is, is an act. Uh, he wants to fight smart, win the fight. His wrestling is very rinse-repeat. He doesn't hold people down. He doesn't put himself in risky positions, because he knows he can just take you right back down. He offers a little bit of striking. You have to respect it, and then... Boom, he's in on your hips working on that next takedown. It's a super exhausting style to, to fight. You know, so it probably goes pretty similarly for Woodley. Uh, he's going to lose the striking for however much happens. He's probably going to get taken down. I do have some concerns, though, given that prior to the last two fights, Woodley did have, uh, I believe, a 100% takedown defense rate or very close to it. It came against not the best of the best, but he was a very hard man to take down. Um, You know, he's stocky, he's strong, he is a good wrestler when he chooses to do it. Can that give Covington some trouble early on? 
and maybe force Covington into the striking battle, which we've seen come a long way. But there's just something like in the pit of my stomach that is like, I feel like Woodley is not going to be as scared of Covington because he's got nothing on his punches. He does not punish you uh, in the sense that if you get hit by him, you're feeling it. You, you don't want to get hit from the net. You know, he beats you up over five rounds, and yeah, your face might be a disaster after 170 significant strikes, but he doesn't lay you out cold. So without that fear, does Woodley, you know, uncork that signature right hand that he's able to time perfectly and, and you know, either knock out or significantly compromise Covington? Um, like you said, we would love to see it. The only guy that could make Woodley... Uh, seem seem like a fan favorite is Colby Covington. Um, you know, uh, I'm gonna have some shares of Woodley. Uh, you can't you can't sleep on Covington because of the pace and because of what we've seen out of Woodley. But you know, 6900. If he wins the fight at all, he's part of the optimal. And if he wins by <clears throat> knockout, um, it probably comes with a knockdown, and he probably scores 90 to 100 points. And that's huge for $6,900. Would you stack it in cash? You know, I don't like stacking with Woodley because he's so, he, he slows his opponents down so methodically. He just, like I said, he backs up. He doesn't get into exchanges. He doesn't really wrestle at, at, a, at a volume. Um, but because he could totally get dominated for four rounds and knock out Covington, I don't think it's the worst fight to stack, no. All right, next fight on the card could be a good one. Nico Price, 8,500. Donald Cerrone, 7,700. Uh, I, I love to watch Cerrone fights. At the same time, uh, a lot of the more recent ones have, have just not been very good. He's lost four straight. Um, hasn't won in over a year. Um, you know, the, for the DFS side of it is that, you know, the, the floor is so low with him. It's, it's going to be so hard not to load up on Nico Price just because Price is – so good. He's so hard to knock out. I mean, it's it's just so obvious that Price is is probably the play here at eighty five hundred. I'm probably gonna have zero exposure to Cerrone. Um, he's getting older. He, he'll fight as often as he possibly can. He just hasn't looked like a very good fighter lately. So give me all of Nico Price. Very little Donald Cerrone. Yeah, that that pretty much nails it. You've got um, you know the like you said the the last few times we've seen. Cowboy, he's been really hittable. I mean, that's always kind of been the case. Um, but his offense isn't threatening people enough at this point. And he's just taking too much punishment uh, on the return. And, you know, that's that's Nico Price's whole game. Like, he's going to get hit. He knows it. And he wades in uh, for war. So uh, it's probably going to be a pretty quick knockout of Cowboy. The only thing you have to be worried about is that we have seen Price submit it. He doesn't have bad grappling and he doesn't have bad jiu-jitsu. Um, he's actually got decent offensive grappling and offensive jiu-jitsu, but his defensive uh, on both sides is a little bit uh, lacking. So if Cowboy manages to time a takedown and put Nico Price on his back or you know gets a side control, back control, anything like that, um, Cowboy's dangerous on the mat. He, he's never really leaned on his own BJJ because, you know, he's the, the Muay Thai style and um, that's what he wants to be. But, like, he's got very slick BJJ and could submit Nico Price. Um, 
Yeah, Price is such an animal, and he's willing to do whatever to survive things. I don't see it happening. Like, you would have to choke him absolutely unconscious. But, um, you know, it, it's a little bit of a concern, especially at Price's cost and his ownership. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think it's probably a, a spot you don't want to be missing against the field. Do you think that um, if Cerrone loses this fight, I'm not saying it's going to be his last fight in the UFC, but, you know, it, it would be his fifth straight loss. Is it possible that he maybe just retires in 2021? I mean, he just hasn't won a fight in, in over a year. And, and granted, like, you know, four straight fights to him is different, you know, from most guys, just because he'll he'll take a lot of fights. He doesn't say no to many fight, any <laughs> fights, really. But, I mean, is it possible, like, if this just continues that, you know, it, he's just done in 2021? Yeah, this is another paycheck fight. He got the rematch with Pettis, and he couldn't get it done. Uh, his next fight is very likely his going away. You know, we're trying to get you a win here against a pretty low-level name. Uh, and that, that might have even been, you know, if he could have beat Pettis, that could have been his, his final fight. But, yeah, you know, he's scrolling away a little bit more for retirement. And, <laughs> you know, uh, hopefully he comes out of it not too much worse for wear because Nico Price hits like a freaking mule. Next fight on the card, it's lining up to be a really good one. We've got uh, the Swedish sensation Hazmat or Hamjat uh, Chimea versus Gerald Mearshart. Uh, Chimea is 9,400 and Mearshart 6,800. I mean, you have to get exposure here to Mearshart just because the price tag is so good. I mean, this is going to be Chimeyev's best opponent to date, and he's priced about a thousand dollars less than what we normally see him. Doesn't have the, you know, Mirshard doesn't have the greatest resume lately, uh, but he's definitely the best competition that Chimeyev has had. And at the same time, you know, Chimeyev is coming off, you know, two straight wins in the UFC, and both were about ten days apart. And for the second one, he was actually priced up at ninety eight hundred, and that was less than two months ago. And here he is fighting once again. I mean, I love this guy. He's entertaining. He's so damn good. Uh, he's probably going to be fighting for a belt within a year. thats I don't know if that's necessarily a bold prediction, but he's just that good, and he could easily just run a division. Um, the play here is obviously paying out for Chimea because, honestly, what we saw in the last fight when he was 9800 I mean, he's, he's well worth the price tag, 9400 I mean, it's, it's high, but it seems like a discount. Right. It seems crazy to say fighting for a belt, you know, within the year, but... Uh, you see what they're doing here. They're laying out the path for him. They got him facing Damian Maya. That's kind of like the gatekeeper to the top 10 at this point. Uh, he's the guy that all the current challengers and champions have fought. So the UFC has a commodity, and they, they're not afraid to rush you if you're willing to be rushed, which a lot of fighters are not. Uh, but yeah, in, in Mearshart, it, it does pose an interesting problem because... He's going to certainly be the most capable fought fighter that Chimaev has fought to date. He's also not going to be someone who is afraid of Chimaev. Like, not that, uh, you know, Reese McKee or John Phillips were, you know, scared to get in, in the ring with Chimaev, but like they knew that the wrestling was going to be a problem for them. Uh, and that, that just, you know, is kind of can be a self fulfilling prophecy. They were never going to probably be reversing Chimaev, but like you know both guys just easily ground and pound it right out Mirshart though very capable capable jiu-jitsu comfortable on his back comfortable uh making reversals sweeps things that Chimaev has not faced yet um and the other thing is Mirshart is is a pretty big guy 
considering, you know, Reese McKee is a 155er, I believe. And uh, John Phillips is not exactly a guy that stays in peak shape and cuts a lot of weight. He's pr- pretty uh, uh, thick in the midsection, and, and enjoys a pint or two, and shows up to brawl. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's like that's – Shemayev was actually a late replacement for Phillips. Um, and, you know, uh, Phillips wanted to stay on the card, sign the deal, and probably knew he was going to get ground and pounded uh, <laughs> to, to bits. But um, – you know, so here, here you've got the concern that all right, well, if Mearshart can slow down the wrestling pace, uh, if he can extend things into the third round, paying off that price tag is a is a challenge. The other side to it, though, we've seen Mearshart get taken down plenty of times. Um, you know, his his takedown defenses, I believe, is only about forty three percent off the top of my head there, um, and uh, you know, it's he's he's not he's not a fish out of water when you take him down he will reverse he will he will you know stay in the fight but uh that might not matter if chemayev is just landing eight to ten takedowns uh with lots of grappling points to go with it and hopefully some striking um you know it's not a lock but you're probably picking either Mearshard or, or Nico Price. I'm sorry, either um, Jemayev or Nico Price to put into your rosters there in this price range. And who would you prefer? I mean, I'm probably going to go Jemayev. Uh, you know, I'm leaning Price's way just because I think um, Jemayev is... Um, chalk? Yeah, he's going to be such <laughs> chalk. Like, it's, you, you know, you've got such a good feeling from seeing his name he's won you so much money lately if you were riding it <laughs> but that's true uh next fight we got on the card it's a good one uh, i believe it's a light heavyweight bout johnny walker 8300 ryan span 7900 this one sets up kind of perfectly as one of those dfs corner man fights that you might break down in the video this weekend um johnny walker though has flashed so much first round knockout upside if you look at you know his DraftKings profile with his three wins in the first round, I mean, he landed a total of 21 strikes. Um, I mean, he can just he can, he can easily knock anybody out. But he's coming off two straight losses. Uh, Ryan Spann is no pushover, but my gut is telling me that Johnny Walker can get back on the winning side, winning column here. You're right. the The thing about Spann that worries me, he's a very capable striker, uh, big dude, very strong, very built, uh, definitely dangerous. He doesn't really um, fight with a with an urgency. So the guys that have been able to handle Johnny Walker, uh, Corey Anderson just came out with that urgency and said, you know what, I'm not going to let this guy even get started. I'm going to go punch him in the face. I know I'm a better boxer than, than his wild man act. And, you know, not knock the snot out of him and, and won in the first round. Uh, Krylov kind of did it with, with the grappling a little more, um, you know, made it an ugly fight. Didn't, didn't let Walker do his, uh, his thing via that path. Um, so, you know, for the two ways that we've seen Walker lose recently, Span would probably have to do it with the get after it striking. Um, can he do it for sure? Uh, you know, he's, he's got the, all the tools. It's, it's, will that, will that be his game plan? Because it's a scary thing to do to rush out there and just throw hands at Johnny Walker that, you know, a guy that's very unorthodox that might just pop off a flying knee at any minute. Um, 
you know, the unsettling thing about Johnny Walker is that he's bouncing around from camp to camp. I guess he doesn't like what he's hearing from the guys cornering him, guys trying to make him a better fighter. He just wants to do his, you know, Johnny Walker thing, uh, make funny faces, separate his shoulder, falling down after a knockout win, uh, you know. So it does, it, it's scary to roster him, but at 8,300, it's a pretty nice price. But yeah, I, I, you're going to target this fight 100%, I think. Um, I'm, not, I'm not too gun shy. I know we said that about Krylov versus Walker, that, that it was going to be ending very quickly. The guy who won, you would need in your in your lineup, and that did not come to fruition. But um, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to jump right back on the horse here because it's uh, that that's Johnny Walker fights high variance. That's how it works. All right, next fight on the card is another good one. Um, the first women's fight that we're previewing, Mackenzie Dern. Seems like we're getting her at a little bit of a discount at 8,700. Uh, versus Randa Marcos, the Canadian, 7,500. I don't know too much about Marcos. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I know plenty about Dern. I know that the last time she was on the card was at the end of May. It was the card that you picked every fight perfectly. Made a ton of money that night. Um, Dern is a very tempting... Uh, it, it's hard. She seems like a really good cash play here. Uh, you know, she's, she's a submission artist. She could get that first-round finish. And at 8,700, it seems like a nice price tag but at the same time i don't know this this kind of feels like it could be a trap i mean hannah cyphers came out in her last fight against dern and she came out swinging caught dern off guard a little bit but at the same time she still landed a first round submission so i don't know like what is the read on dern this week for you yeah i'm not so sure she's a cash lock uh so you know marcos her profile is that she is a grappler by trade a wrestler She's got decent submissions of her own. Um, she's kind of leaned more into the boxing of late, I guess, trying to be a more complete fighter. Um, you know, you look at her fight with, with Ashley Yoder, and they were kind of both neutralized in the grappling. Um, you know, her loss to Claudia Gadelia. You know, she didn't get any takedowns again. Um, she's not a volume wrestler, but she is, she is somebody that can get a takedown. And that's kind of what scares me because Dern's grappling, not that great. Uh, she's She's got good jiu-jitsu, yes. But uh, we see that time and time again with some of these jiu-jitsu whizzes. They they don't have the, the first part of the game that's a requirement to getting that jiu-jitsu uh, into play. Get the fight to the mat. Um, you know, some people you can just pull guard against and work from there. Um, you know, Damian Myers showed that. But uh, Marcos isn't that person. She's, she's probably not going to get... Um, you know, uh, into a bad spot because she's got good jujitsu of her own. Yes, she has one submission loss to Courtney Casey. It was an arm bar. These things happen in women's MMA. Um, but, you know, I, I'm actually considering maybe a sprinkle of Dern. Uh, I'm sorry, a sprinkling of Marcos. I wish she weren't 7,500. If she were like 7K, I, I would be a little bit more confident in doing that. 7,500, you know... There is still a lot she needs to do to hit value. It's not just a, a win and, and, you know, you walk to value kind of situation. And, you know, like you said, on the Dern side, she does have really good submissions. It could happen in the first round. Um, you know, Marcos could even land a takedown of her own and just get caught, you know, with, with her with her hand on the mat uh, napping. And, um, 
you know, it, it's a, it's a tough fight to pick for sure. Um, but I think it's probably not going to be a, a huge value on either side because Marcos is generally a tough fighter, good at extending fights and, and being cautious. All right, next fight on the card could easily be on the main card. We have Kevin Holland, 9,100 versus Darren Stewart, 7,100. I don't want to discount Stewart by any means. 7,100 is a very nice price tag on him, I feel. He has three straight wins. At the same time, Kevin Holland has has been on a really nice run himself. You know, two wins so far in 2020. He fought a little over a month ago, got a third-round knockout. Um, he fought back in May and got a first round knockout you know so he's, he's getting these finishes inside the distance I know a lot of people will be on Holland it seems like a really good play um, not trusting either guy for cash games that's just me um, but for whatever reason I might end up with more exposure on Darren Stewart than Kevin Holland you know Stewart does hit like a truck they, they don't call him the dentist for no reason uh, he, he's a, a big dude and, and hits very hard I just don't see uh, outside of Kevin Holland getting sloppy and, and eating like a counter shot uh, Stewart's path to victory. You know, Holland is probably the better grappler, definitely the, the, the smoother striker. Um, and he's got plenty of power of his own. Uh, and, you know, uh, I would like to see him put that grappling into play because Stewart can get out grappled um, He's a guy that does struggle against strong wrestlers at times, uh, you know. So I guess it just depends on on really uh, Holland's game plan here. Um, what what does he come to fight with? And we've seen a really focused and and good Kevin Holland of late. I think he had a kid not that long ago, so maybe that's kind of got him realizing he can't, you know, phone it in anymore. He's he's got to make make uh, hay while the sun shines and uh, hopefully go spend some time with his family. <laughs> All right, next fight we've got on the card. Um, it looks like, according to Tapology, it will be Mirsad Bektich versus Damon Jackson. Uh, Jackson comes in as a bit of a is a very late replacement, correct? Correct. Yeah, that, that was um, like yesterday. I think. Yeah, I'm lo- I'm looking at the Tapology, and it says that Bektich is the number fifteen weatherweight worldwide, and Jackson is the number one thirty four featherweight worldwide. Uh, is Mirsad looking like a really safe cash play in this matchup? I think so. Yeah. Um, Bekdich is just, he just needs to get back in the win column. The UFC had some high hopes for him. He was a really nice prospect, solid boxing, nasty wrestler, lots of power. Uh, just started running into people that could hit him back and, and that didn't work out so well for him. Um, especially it, it all kind of turned for him when he, when he lost to Darren Elkins, uh, after thoroughly dominating Elkins and, you know, this was in the middle of, the true Darren, the damage Elkins run where uh, people would just, you know, kind of get tired after beating Elkins up for two and a half rounds. And uh, he would somehow crawl back into the fight and, and manage to win. Um, you know, then, then he, he's got losses to, to Josh Emmett and Dan Ige uh, in his last two, but those are names that are nothing to be ashamed of losing to. So, you know, Betsy's probably settles in as like a, a top 10 kind of prospect that you can gauge people against maybe a little better than a gatekeeper um but yeah they they really just want him probably back in the win column he wants to be back in the win column and and get fighting here 
All right, next fight. Um, I don't believe this one is listed by DraftKings yet. Doesn't mean that it won't be. Uh, but we have Miguel Baeza uh, versus Jeremiah Wells. Um, I don't know. I don't know too much about either fighter. I'm, I'm not going to BS anybody. Haven't really researched this fight. It's not listed on DraftKings at this moment. But what is your read on this one uh, for when it is available? They'll probably get it. Uh, they, they've been waiting, I think, for weigh-ins themselves. Um, and, you know, a lot of what DraftKings needs is odds makers to put lines out. Uh, and I don't know that there is a line from reputable sources <laughs> as of yet. Um, so, you know, they... DraftKings, they've made they've they've gotten bitten by by uh, some some pricing where they've put it out too early and then the odds come out and uh, so they're they're gun shy on that front. Um, but yeah, Baeza is a uh, an up and comer, definite definite uh, dangerous prospect. He's got jujitsu, dangerous striking. You know, a, another option here that that's going to be expensive, but um, certainly in play in cash games. All right, next uh, fight that we'll preview on the card. Um... We got some big names here. I do apologize. Uh, Myra Bueno Silva versus uh, Mara Romero Barella. Uh, second women's fight on the card. Women's flyweight uh, bout. You know, Silva's six and one. Romero Barella twelve and eight. I feel like I want to lean a little bit towards uh, Bueno Silva with this card. I've I've gotten exposure to Romero Barella before. It's never really worked out in my favor. I seem to always play her on the, on the worst possible nights. Uh, and she's lost three straight fights. Uh, so that just tells you how much I know about rostering her. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be fading her this time around. Yeah, Romero Barella. I mean, she should have won her last fight against Courtney Casey. Got got her to the ground right away, and and then got armbarred from bottom. Um, it was kind of like the start of the the women's armbar from bottom run that's been plaguing <laughs> the the MMA community and and betting community. Um, Buena Silva, you know, is probably the the better fighter, better striker. Um, you know, she she had to fight Marina Moroz in her uh, comeback there uh, in in March. That's not an easy fight, uh, especially it, it was right. I think it was the last fight before you know the the COVID actual shutdown. It was the fight down in Brazil, so they didn't have this the you know any U.S. regulation. Um, they did fight in an empty arena, which also made it kind of weird, and people hadn't prepared for that. So just a lot of weird stuff going on. Uh, it was a great fight with Moroz. Uh, they both were just trading, and, and you know, Buena Silva being able to have that kind of gas tank coming back after a, a bit of a layoff um, and, you know, fighting till the end of the third uh, was good to see. I think she probably knocks out Buena Silva here because Silva has – I'm sorry, um, Romero Barella – both both women having three names and starting with an M is confusing. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Romero Barella has a bit of a chin issue at this point. She's gotten dropped uh, in three of her last five fights. So um, I, I think that probably happens here. Uh, next fight on the card, David Dvorak versus Jordan Espinoza. Not too much known about either fighter here. Um, I guess I'll try to pull up their fighter profiles. I mean... Dvorak's last fight was 67 significant strikes, significant strikes, and in a three-round bout, that's pretty good. Um, for Espinoza, he's won, he's lost two of his last three fights, got submitted in the first round. I guess that's pretty notable. Um, can we expect Espinoza to be submitted again in the first round here, or is this kind of just like a, a fight that's kind of up in the air and 
you know, because they're both priced similarly. Dvorak is eighty two hundred. Espinosa is, is uh, eight thousand. I mean, what's your approach here? Just GPP only. Yeah, um, you know, you don't know what what guy is going to show up with the better game plan or or the drive to get the the, the win. Um, Dvorak uh, in a decent showing against Bruno Silva. Um, you know, not not a not a bad fighter, Silva, to get a win over uh, in your UFC debut. But Espinosa, his whole thing is that he is a very good athlete, very strong wrestler. He just has no gas tank. Um, he took on Mark De La Rosa his last time out, and he did go three pretty strong rounds to to win. You know, there were some hairy spots in there as well, but uh, for the most part, he cruised. If he can keep that momentum rolling, he should take Dvorak apart. But like you said, he's he's got some some mental gaps there uh, with, with the early submission losses, and it's not a comfortable spot. So, uh, coin flip fight if you feel like taking on that that variant uh, to try and get a leg up on the field, definitely can do it. I would think that Espinosa can probably. He, he's the if either of these guys is going to score highly, it would be Espinosa behind the volume. Um, Dvorak, you know, I don't think he has the first round sub here, but it could happen. You know, there's an outside shot of it, but yeah, give me Espinosa for the win without much confidence. All right, five fights to go. Uh, we'll try and speed it up for these last few. Uh, this next one is just seeming like a fade to me. Uh, Sarah Alpar making her UFC debut versus Jessica Rose Clark. Uh, Clark has lost uh, her last two fights in the UFC. Um, but, you know, like, she, she tends to let fights go to the card. And I think, in general, that's been our concern with uh, women's fights. Um, not excited about either fighter here. The price tag on Clark is very high, 8900 for someone who just lets everything go to the cards. You know, she's 2-2, two and two, and all four fights have gone to the cards. I'm not excited one bit about this fight. I mean, Sarah Alpar might be worth a little bit of exposure in a GPP if you want to get really weird. Overall, no exposure for me. Yeah, like you said, sprinkle of Alpar just for the the randomness of women's fights. And we don't know what we have in Alpar as an opponent for Rose Clark. Like, Rose Clark is a good athlete. She trains well, uh, can probably beat most of the lower-level <clears throat> MMA fighters. You know, her, her last two losses to Jessica I, Panny Kinzad, you know, not not terrible losses, um, but you know she also hasn't really beat anyone in the UFC. And Paige Van Zandt and Beck Rawlings, those those are not things that rate at this point in women's MMA. So, um, yeah, a, a lot of unknowns going on right there. So probably a fade. All right, uh, next fight on the card, according to DraftKings. Uh, we have TJ Laramie versus Derek Minner. Laramie is priced way up at 9200 I believe he's making his UFC debut. Um, for a guy making his debut, what can we expect from someone that's priced over 9 k um, And how much confidence do you have in him? Yeah, he fought on the Contender Series very recently. Strong wrestler. Oh, so he's uh, a little he fresh, got, right? Yeah, and I think he got it done with a ground-and-pound stoppage uh, in the first round there. His price tag though really is a result of Derek Minner has uh, you know one one fighting style. He comes out and just goes for every submission he can possibly grab onto, guillotines, tries for takedowns. Um, you know it's 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 fun to watch, and this could be a barn burner with with Laramie's strong wrestling. 
But that's the problem for Minner is he usually is a little bit of a, of a better wrestler than his opponent when he can do that kind of thing. It's not going to be the case here, and he probably puts himself in a really bad position really early. Laramie probably takes the win. There's like the slightest chance that Minner locks up an early guillotine while they're dry and, and Laramie can't squeeze out of it. Um, but, you know, if you're building 20 lineups, maybe one lineup just because Minner fights that style that uh, he's either going to win early or, or just get smoked. All right, next fight, Journey Newsom versus Randy Costa. 8400 for Newsom, 7800 for Costa. I don't really have much interest in this fight. Uh, neither fighter necessarily wows me with their tape. Um, Newsom, Newsom is coming off a first-round knockout in his last fight back in February. Um, put up over 100 points because of the first-round knockout. Um, kind of the same story for Randy Costa, but he hasn't fought since last October. Uh, I'll sprinkle exposure of each if I'm building 20 lineups. I'm just not thrilled about this matchup at all. You know, I, I actually do think this is a really good matchup. Um, Costa is uh, a dude that comes out with just his hair on fire and immediately gets into striking exchanges. Uh, he paid the price for that in his UFC debut, but you know, it carried him to a very early win against a pretty good boxer, or you know, uh, a guy that had a reputation as a very good boxer in Boston Salmon. Um, Costa pretty raw, though. Journey Newsom, a guy that is a very capable counterpuncher, very heavy hands. Uh, it's like a perfect recipe for um, you know a, a GPP target to me. Either Newsom catches him, knocks him out cold. Or uh, Costa is just too much, too fast, and uh, beats up Newsom until Newsom can't uh, answer the bell. All right, next fight we have on the card. Uh, Andre Yule, um, what's his price tag? 8,800 versus Erwin Rivera. Rivera, you know, he's an endearing guy. You know, he took on the – he was the late replacement back in May mm-hmm. for uh, Giga Chikadze. Um, and he wasn't awful. But he did lose the fight. You know, he, he kind of stood there. He took a beating. Showed he had a really good chin. Um, got another fight about a month ago. And he actually won it by decision. Um, so for the most part, in both his fights, Rivera has exceeded my expectations. And I continue to be a little bit low on him. What can we expect from him this time around against uh, Andre Yule? You know, none of the stuff that got us excited from the Chigadze fight showed up against al uh, he wasn't aggressive. He, he didn't land with power, you know, wrestled a little bit, but I mean, Al-Kais, he's kind of a tough fighter to do that against. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to have a very much of Rivera, if anything, a little bit of Yule because he will fight with a decent volume at times and should be the bigger man, the longer man. Um, and that could be effective against Rivera. We, we saw it with Chikadze pay dividends all right uh first fight on the card last fight that we preview uh tyson nam versus jerome rivera nam is going to be 8600 uh rivera is 7600 um you know i remember um you know we were very excited about tyson nam i believe in his last card the fight was canceled um but nam seems to be the play like i love to get exposure to the first fight nam seems like a very safe bet here um we've we've talked him up a lot um, it just it just seems so safe, and, and he just seems like the obvious play. I don't really know too much about Jerome Rivera, if I'm being completely honest. I believe this is his UFC debut, 
It's just I know Nam is uh, Rivera's coming in, I believe, as a late replacement. So that just makes me want even more exposure to Nam. Yeah, um, Rivera had a contender series win, uh, and it was you know decision. So it's kind of like Dana puts those guys on the uh, the Rolodex for. Um, you know, we'll we'll get you in as a late replacement, but you're you're not getting the contract. Um, uh, so you know, here he is, late replacement uh, against a really tough opponent in Tyson Nam, a guy who's a veteran, very heavy hands. Uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park for him like it was against uh, Zaruk Adishev, who looked like he was fresh off the couch, very bad shape, uh, big size discrepancy as well, and then you know just got one punch knockout. Uh, you know, seconds into the fight. Um, the, the problem with Nam is that he does not fight with, with a, a pace. He likes to counterpunch. Um, you know, is, is the knockout coming? There's a good shot that it is. It's just if it doesn't happen in the first or in the second round with volume, uh, you know, especially if it goes to a decision, then Nam is not going to hit value. So there, there is some risk there. Um, probably a, key, a safe cash play, though. What's your cash core look like for this card? I mean, I feel like there are a lot of options, a lot of good fights, <laughs> a lot of popular it, plays. Like, it's kind of hard to lock down a cash core. Definitely. It's all over the place. I, I think as weigh-ins happen, um, you know, that's when I'm going to start to refine things more. Um, you know, uh, with, with all these high-priced fighters, a main event stack is not the worst thing, even though Woodley is part of that. I, I think he gives you a little bit of win equity, that that could pay off um interested in in tj laramie uh you know as as the lower end of the nines but again you know it's a guy making his ufc debut against a risky opponent is is that something you want to take on um same thing with jamiah like the field is going to be very heavy on him probably 50 to 60 percent which is huge in mma um i I just you know it's if he goes off you you need him you know, if, if he just wrestles Mirshart for three solid rounds and, and you know, pulls a, um, a Mirab Divishvili impression with, with, you know, 10 to 12 takedowns, um, you, you can't you can't not have him. So if you can get it up, uh, if you can get the salary to get him, probably someone you want to consider. Nam is 8,600, not terrible. Um, just looking through the dogs. Random Marcos, I wish he was a little less, but she's probably not getting finished early, you know, uh, fingers crossed on that. But um, what makes you so hesitant? Like what, what would be the difference? Because I mean, she's 7,500 and a clear dog right now. Like wh- why? I mean, 7,500 is still a pretty good value. Like wh- what's kind of keeping you from that? You know, you, 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 you're okay with her at 75, but you just wish that she was cheaper. I wish she had a better shot of winning the fight. That's, you know, uh, okay. if you're not down at like the 7K or, or under range and, and you're rostering a fighter with very low odds to win the fight, in my opinion, uh, it's, it's hard to stomach that extra 500. It doesn't seem big, but, you know, that, that's a couple fighters that you can't upgrade. Okay. Um, but, you know, da- down here, it's you know, Alpar 7,300. She probably isn't getting finished either, so maybe she's the better play. Um, yeah, all, all of the other fighters have has some definite... Uh, things to overcome i guess um there was the the uh baeza fight uh, that isn't priced yet he's probably going to be expensive and his opponent probably will be pretty cheap but baeza is a dangerous finisher not interested there either probably 
All right. Well, we apologize for going a little longer than normal. We had more fights, not just quantity. We also had more quality fights. This is a ridiculously good card. Could easily be a pay-per-view card. Uh, but, Mike, thank you, as always, for your breakdowns. We look forward to the playbook this weekend. Uh, best of luck to you, and best of luck to the FA Nation.